I'm Arya Schwartz with Rachel Galligan and Gabe Ibrahim, and welcome to the Windsider Show, where it's all about the W. Today, we're talking free agency, the latest and biggest. our show please consider joining our patreon community for less than a cup of coffee a month you can directly show support for the hard work we do covering the w we've just entered week three of WNBA free agency and last week came to a screeching halt with some big moves uh some head turners some tears being shed um and just a lot of motion in the WNBA. uh i i think we got to talk about the first one one that had been rumblings and talks about uh for a little bit now one of the biggest names of this past year's WNBA playoffs Courtney Williams was traded to the Atlanta Dream Gabe can you break down the uh the details of the trade who went what who went where what happened and uh what traded hands sure uh so this was a three-team trade that um like you said it was bandied about for a little while and then it came to fruition that Atlanta um, will be getting Courtney Williams, uh, and they will also be getting the 17th pick in the second round of the 2020 WNBA draft from Phoenix. Phoenix, in turn, is getting Jessica Breland and Nia Coffey from Atlanta, and then Connecticut is picking up uh, Brian January from Phoenix and a 2021 20, second rounder uh, from Atlanta, I believe. Um and that is the detail. So, uh, you know, they, it, it kind of makes sense. Everyone got two things uh, that they seemingly want. Yeah. And and something that Atlanta really, really, really wanted. Right. Um, obviously, I think it's easy to assume that in an ideal world, uh, at least from Connecticut's perspective, they would have kept that. They would have kept Courtney Williams. Rachel, talk to me about Connecticut briefly, because I think. There's been a, a lot of positivity that goes there, um, and rightfully so. They've made some giant moves uh, this offseason, bringing in Dwana Bonner, bringing, in, bringing on Brian January and all of that. But talk to me, what exactly does it mean that Courtney Williams will not be lacing up in that uh, Connecticut Sun Orange this year? Yeah, I mean, you, you can't we, – we would, we would be crazy to sit here and say that that's obviously not a huge blow. Um, Courtney Williams had become – a huge identity piece for the Connecticut Sun. She was really thriving under Kurt Miller's system and um, offensively, you know, really had come into her own, you know, these last couple of years, making a huge name for herself in this league and, um, and in a person from a personality perspective. And so, you know, a huge asset to the Connecticut Sun. And so I think when the news of Bonner broke, you know, the initial reaction or assumption was that, you know, well, yeah, Courtney Williams is going to return too. Uh, but without, you know, we kind of had to wait to get too excited and, and it almost felt a little bit unfair to think about the roster that, you know, they, they, they were able to uh, compile if you say you were to return Courtney Williams. Like, like I, I have a hard time envisioning what that would look like. And part of me is a little bit heartbroken that I won't get a chance to, that we won't get a chance to see it because, you know, that I had said immediately that they were my favorite to win it all. Um, even before any other moves had been made, just because of the pieces on that team, 
um, what what Connecticut has evolved into these past few years, what they've built into, and you add on that extra piece of Duana Bonner. But you know, the Courtney Williams thing is—I'm not going to lie—I'm I'm a little bit heartbroken over it because I had really um, I like that fit with between her and Kurt Miller. Um, I think she fits within his system exceptionally well. Um, I think it was such a good fit and, and I am, I am a little bit surprised by it, you know, but obviously there's been a lot of drama surrounding that situation and um, you know, ultimately people have to do what's best for them and they have to make decisions that are best for them. And so I, I do think that like, if you flip this over to the Atlanta side, which I won't get into, get into Atlanta, um, there's a lot of huge, obviously a huge sign and a huge, a lot of positivity. And I think Nikki Collins, a tremendous coach. And so um, I don't necessarily worry too much about, um, the coaching perspective of that, I'm just a little bit, you know, there, there was a huge piece of me that was excited to see all those pieces together in Connecticut. Um, so for this to kind of go down and then in the dramatic fashion in which it did, it, it, it almost feels like it didn't necessarily need to happen <laughs> in this way. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, this is, this is a business, this is professional sports and it's happening across every, every sport that we, we see. But, um, you know, I still have Connecticut in my mind as a, as a serious contender. I think we're ignorant if we don't. Um, obviously, you have a tremendous roster, a lot of experience. You add on a piece of Dewana Bonner. Um, there's there could be even people that would argue that it makes them better. Um, they're all, that they're better than what they were last year. I just think that's going to be a bit of a question mark as we move forward. Yeah, and I think my for me, honestly, the biggest disappointment, at least from the Connecticut side, because I agree with what you're saying, it might be that having January is a better fit for this system and the players that they have now. For me, I'm just sad that we won't get another press conference where Courtney just hypes up Jasmine Thomas, Alyssa Thomas, <laughs> and John Quill Jones. Because that was possibly the greatest TV of all of the WNBA playoffs this past season. Um, I'm excited what she does with her Atlanta teammates. I'm sure uh, they're going to be a big fan of it. But uh, Gabe, let's flip it on the, on, on the flip side. Talk to me about Atlanta and what this means for you as far as your opinion on uh, Atlanta and what this means for that team. Yeah, so I, I think, you know, the last time we were all together, we all did our tier rankings, um, and this actually does change the tiers a little bit for me. Just on Connecticut, um, I'm not moving anyone ahead of them yet, um, but they moved down a tier for me. I, I don't think they're um, necessarily in that three, that L.A., Seattle, um uh, DC tier because you know like you guys said that this is going to be a new this can be a lot more moving parts than it was before but for Atlanta it actually goes the other way I, I think I pushed them up into the playoff chasers and they may be a team that's staunchly in the playoffs for me because of how much talent they have I mean you have Courtney Williams you have Shakina Strickland you have Glory Johnson Tiffany Hayes Elizabeth Williams you know Renee Montgomery we have a bunch of pieces here that are really tantalizing and fun to think about on the court together um, and I think that, you know, they fit to a certain extent. And I think they will, you know, N Nikki will have a big job ahead of her. My biggest question mark here, though, is, you know, how are you going to start the how are you how are you going to create a lineup here? Because you have Courtney, Tiffany Hayes and Renee Montgomery, who, in my opinion, all play best as a two. They're all two guards. They're not point guards. Courtney last year did play a single minute as a point guard. In Connecticut, so it's going to be interesting to see how Nikki fits this all together. You know, you could put you could put Renee Montgomery comfortably at the one, but you know, you're kind of you're, you're losing a little bit of efficiency there. And then you look at the other point guards on this roster. That's 
Mate Cazorla. You have Alexis Jones, who those are two very, they're young, interesting prospects that are, um, that that are probably good. And then they brought brought in Blake Dietrich to talk about, uh, to, uh, for a training camp deal, which again, great, but who's, who's the point guard here? Who is riding this offense? Who is, uh, pushing them forward and, and making, you know, all this stuff happen. I think that could be Courtney. I think that could be Renee Montgomery, but it's just going to be interesting, uh, to see, to see the kind of, um, you know, lineup changes that Nikki Collins gonna have to go through. But to me, I put, I put them in the playoff chaser tier. I think they're going to make the playoffs actually. Um, they, they have a really, really talented team. They have a team that fits together well. And, you know, I think they still have probably some moves to make. I have them having a significant amount of cap space right now to continue to make moves. No, they, they better make some moves. And I will die on this mountain that I think Renee Montgomery should be coming off the bench. I know a lot of people are going to say, what the hell are you talking about? You're crazy. I, I just think her skill set is so much more explosive and valuable when she's coming off the bench and yes she can face up against starters i'm not saying she doesn't have the skill to do that i'm just saying i think you know based on what you're saying gabe that feeds into my opinion more so that you bring her off the bench and you kind of have a general of that second line but somebody who also can step in uh for some odd lineups and and not necessarily doing a hockey line style um, that's my opinion. I agree with you. I think this team is going to make the playoffs. It's going to be interesting to see, uh, kind of, if you look at what our tiers were, uh, the, in the past, in the last episode, it'll be interesting to see if, if, which one of these teams kind of gets knocked out and goes to the bottom dwellers, uh, as I called it. And Gabe thought that was rude to call, but I, I still think it's it a little was. mean. It's so a, who, are you, who are you starting though, ahead of Renee Montgomery? Cause you know, to me, my, my lineup in my head was, you know, Mont- Renee Montgomery at the one Courtney Williams at the two. Tiffany Hayes at the three, Glory Johnson at the four, Elizabeth Williams at the five. Um, that's kind of an it's it's an interesting lineup and it's cool and I think there's a lot of talent there. Uh, on the defensive end, you know, I'm not sure how well that's going to work with Renee and and Courtney being your two uh, guards. They're they're both pretty good defensively. It's just like you know, it's kind of hard to see them being an elite defensive team like that. And then. Um, you know, you're, you're knocking Tiffany Hayes down to the three. She may not want to do that. Um, so it, it, that's an interesting thing. But who who would you start ahead of? Would you start Mat- Mate Cazorla? Because, you know, she showed a lot last year. Yeah, I, I think it's an interesting and a tricky situation. For me, the top six play. I'm going to say six players, which is going to sound ridiculous. I get that. That I really want to start and get starters minutes are Tiffany Hayes, obviously, Shakina Strickland, Courtney Williams. Elizabeth oh, Williams. All right. And then Monique Billings is up there. And then, yeah, we can talk about, you know, Glory Johnson possibly starting or being that vet presence coming off the bench. I think there is a lot of flexibility with it. But for me, I think this team has the ability. They're stacked in certain positions, but they definitely have the ability uh, to kind of play around. And and maybe, honestly, I've always kind of been a fan of of setting your lineup based on who you're playing against. You know, this is a basketball is a chess game, as ridiculous as that sounds. And to be able to plan that out and say, you know what, this lineup, because X, Y and Z is going to work better against this team. I'm all for that. Rachel, what do you think as a former coach and player about that? I think this is all up in the air. I mean, if I'm head coach, Colin, I'm sitting here saying, hey, like, I'm going to start the best five and the five who are Mm going to compete after what we had to go through last year and and kind of 
you know, the, the, the things that she had to deal with and in terms of coaching effort and those types of things from certain individuals on the team. And I feel like it, it, it's wide open at this point. I personally, you know, if I had to guess, I would see Montgomery coming off the bench. I think as a veteran and, and someone who's been in this league for, you know, a, a great deal of time might be a little more willing to accept that role and that maybe that leadership role. But I, I do think that it's something that's going to be tinkered around with and toyed around with. I mean, so many moving parts on this roster that that's going to look completely different from what we've seen in years past. But I, I, if I'm head coach, Nikki Collin, I'm sitting here and I'm like, all right, you know, let's roll the balls out and let's go at it. We're, we're going to compete in training camp. Um, and I'm going to, I'm going to play the, the, the five who are going to compete the, at the highest level. Um, so I think there's going to be, a, there's a lot of competition at play here, which is exciting. And, and I, I don't know how it's going to play out. Um, Gabe, I could see your, 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 uh, your lineup, you know, I think that's interesting <laughs> to think about. Um, but I, I, I do, I personally feel like maybe Montgomery will come off the bench um, for parts of the season. That's kind of, if I had to guess, that's what I would say. Um, but I don't know. I really, I really have no idea. Well, there was one last team involved in this trade, and I think we'd be doing a disservice if we didn't chat about them a little bit. The Phoenix Mercury. I'm curious both of your guys' takes on this. We'll go Gabe first. Um, Gabe, what do you think they gained out of this trade? Oh, uh, well, I think they got Jessica Breland for something that they didn't want anyways. Like, you know, Brianne January is a very good player. Um, and, you know, probably should have talked about more her more of her in the Connecticut section because she's actually going to bring a nice bit of spot-up shooting and perimeter defense. Um, and actually I probably... Do, I love that fit, not to interrupt you. I, I wanted to add yeah. that. I, I think she's a tremendous fit in Connecticut. I do. Sorry, go ahead. And she does it without the ball too, which is the huge for this team that has so many ball handlers. Um, so, but you know, they couldn't with their roster as constructed right now, there was not a lot of space for January as a big um, protected contract, especially with their rumored pursuit of Tina Charles, you know, they needed to sub her out and bring in a forward. And I really like Jessica Breland. I think she's going to play well defensively. I think she's going to bring a certain level of toughness. Um, they were really relying on a trio of second-year players that, uh, no disservice to them, I think they're going to be very good, but as rookies, they didn't do that much. Um, and we're still waiting to see exactly what they will be. And so to get someone who's a vet, who you know you can count on in a spot, and you know you can start, and it'll be fine. Um, so I think getting Jessica Breland's big. I think getting Nia Coffey's really nice. Uh, I think she can show something. I think she can grow and, and maybe actually contribute to this team. I'm concerned about, you know, what she could possibly do in the playoffs because we've never seen her uh, in that situation. But she she is uh, someone who can who can contribute in a if she grows. And I think she will. Now, um, they did they did all this for Brian January and a second round pick. However, this puts a lot more pressure on Bria Hartley. And I think they already put a lot of pressure on Bria Hartley. And I think that's kind of the point. They see her as a max player. That's why they gave her a max contract. They see Bria Hartley as something that we have yet to see. Uh, from her. And, you know, I talked about this in my article last week about the best and worst free agency moves. And I, said, I ranked Hartley getting a max contract as, as my worst move. And that's not a knock against Bria Hartley, but it's just up to this point. We have not seen the thing that Phoenix has, has seen in her and expects from her going forward. And I think this move just puts even more pressure on her to be that that star, you know, their third star, their, their, their fourth star, excuse me. Um, Fourth star for now, probably third star going forward when Diana Taurasi hangs him up. So, you know, th this is a lot. This is a really big bet 
on Bria Hartley growing and being a player that they really see. And, you know, I think if they're they're doubling down on this, they're tripling down on this, they must see something that is really special in her. And hopefully that will come out. Um, so I love the deal, though. I mean, this is a great piece of business. You got two players for a player that you couldn't really use and a second-round pick. That's a no-brainer. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, look, they they I think, first of all, you, you talk about Connecticut – I think it's clear based on the reports that are coming out and and what we know that Courtney Williams was going to leave. And it's clear that Dwana Bonner was going to leave the Mercury. And and you kind of have to be in a situation as a GM and a coach and say, okay, we got to make best with what the situation we're in now. And I do think that they did do a good job of that. I still have some questions whether or not I like I don't put them personally in a favor to win a championship. Uh, this coming season. Now, that being said, I do like the moves that they've made because they do have a nice core of young players coming in who are going to take some time to grow. We're talking about Alana Smith. We're talking about Sophie Cunningham. We know that they can do this. And and don't forget about Turner. We know that they are going to take some time to grow. And I think maybe last year we were in a situation where they were, you know, touted as having a great draft class, and these players are ready to play now. But I think we learned a little bit. They need a little bit more growing time. And bringing in Breland, bringing in Nia Coffey, bringing in Hartley kind of puts the pressure off of those young players and says, okay, we're still going to grow you. We're still going to develop you. But without putting that same spotlight and pressure, because let's be real, the Phoenix Mercury want to win now. They want to show Diana Trossi off the right way in her last season or her next, like however many more years she has left. They're trying to do right by her and show her off uh, in the proper way. Um, so I, I, I like the moves. I'm not going to say that it, it really pushed the needle like crazy for me, but I, I definitely do like the moves. Rachel, what are your thoughts? No, I agree. And I, I don't think we're necessarily talking about it enough. And now that we're sitting here and I'm listening to your guys' opinions um, and kind of how you see it, I'm realizing like, like I really think that the Phoenix Mercury have had a tremendous offseason. They really have. Um, losing Brian January is is – is a blow. You know, she, she's a vet. She's a true professional. She's consistent. She, she can step up in key moments. She's um, a tremendous basketball player, but you know, we're talking about, you're adding <laughs> Skylar Dick and Smith, you know, in, in anyone in that situation can see the firepower within just that huge trade. But I really like Jessica Breland. I think her career, she's had one of the most steady and consistent careers, you know, through a few different places through Chicago, um, she's been tremendous in, in Atlanta the last couple of years. Um, so I think for, at the four spot, um, that fits in extremely well with Griner. Um, but then you also have Nia Coffey, you know, who, who has trended upwards and just now entering only her fourth year in the league. I think she has a ton of potential there. So I think Sandy Brondello and the Mercury franchise have done a really good job, just like you said, Arie, of bringing in vital pieces franchise pieces that can win right away but at the same time preparing for the future um so i really like the addition of braylon to phoenix i think she's gonna thrive with griner i do i'm excited to see that that duo on the court together um i love her consistency she's just been um, a very steady player you know i mean she's she's the type of player that's going to get you you know eight 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 and eight every single night, you know, some nights she might get you 15 and 10 or whatever, but she's just steady, you know, and, and give you about 20, 23 to 25 minutes. And, and she, she's just had a great career from that aspect, but I, I am excited to see the future of coffee. And um, obviously Skylar Diggins Smith out there on the court. 
Um, I just think we, we have not talked about the Mercury enough um, and the job that they've done this offseason so far. And I know a lot of people are talking about, well, is there potential of a Tina Charles coming or whatever? I, I think it's safe to say that we don't know what's going to happen with Tina, but you get the sense and with the cap space and kind of the moves that they've made, uh, Phoenix is kind of wrapping this up. I'm kind of curious your guys' thought on that. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think they're kind of setting the stage for if if they can get her, they can get her. But if not, it's not like they put all their eggs in the Tina Charles basket, which I think is a smart move. They would have to trade Breland to uh, just money wise. They would have to trade Breland to get Tina Charles, essentially. I mean, they could trade like three. They they wouldn't be able to fit a full rock, have a full roster if they traded more than made a deal without Jessica Breland being involved. Um, and also just like, Quick note, like really huge bummer for the Mercury and Yvonne Turner that she got hurt. Um, I saw yeah. I saw a rumor that it was a torn ACL. I really hope that is not the case because uh, she she played well last year um, as one of you know the oldest young players in the league. Uh, she's I think this is her third year, but she's a, she's she's a veteran, um, and you know it really really sucks for her that she got hurt, and it really 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 hurts Phoenix um, Phoenix's guard depth. Um, but you know they have the tenth overall pick. They have a small amount of cap space remaining, um, so there, there's potential that you know they could get someone. They could bring in one of these European players that they have on reserve. Um, but it's unlikely that those European players are coming, and they really don't have the assets to go get another difference maker. So they're going to have to hope they hit on that tenth overall pick and find someone in training camp that can help them a lot, just at the end of the bench level. Yeah, uh, real quickly, who we think won the trade. Honestly, this is such a cop-out, and I hate myself for saying it, but I truly do believe that every team made best for their situation. I don't think there's like a clear loser in this trade, as it were. I mean, I, does, it's Connecticut. You think it's yeah. Connecticut? I think Connecticut right. lost. They lost the best player, and you know they replaced her. They did okay to replace her, given the circumstances. It's not. It's not that bad, but they definitely. You know, this is not the trade they wanted to make. Um, who lost the trade or who won the trade? Oh, that's a good question. Yeah, Gabe, way to screw up the question. It's who <laughs> won the trade. I think all three <laughs> won the trade because, you know, like I said, can, if if Courtney wants out of Connecticut, they have to, you know, make lemonade out of lemons, and they were able to. So I think that's a win for them just based off the situation. Now, if you were talking to me two months ago and said this is the situation – I would say they didn't win the trade, but uh, that's just, that's my take. But yeah, no, I agree with you that if we're talking losses, it's probably Connecticut. Yeah, I, mean, I think. Yeah, yeah. I mean, ahead, let's just call a spade a spade. I mean, yeah. I, I, I think that Brand January patches that up tremendously. She's, you know, I, I could go on about her for, for a long time. I mean, they, they made lemonade out of lemons, like you said, but obviously Atlanta won this. They just gained Courtney yes. Williams, who's arguably one of the, the biggest up-and-comers in the league. Um, so the, the win is clearly Atlanta, but I don't think it's like a huge, devastatingly crippling blow to any of these teams. No. No, it's a good piece of business. It's a really good piece of business for everyone involved. Like, no one gave up an exceedingly large amount, or no one got back an exceedingly low amount. Um, but yeah, of course, Atlanta won. They got the best player. And, you know, hopefully it works out. You never know how these things turn out, especially with the locker room that, you know, was rumored to have some issues. And now we have two, we have, they have two real alpha dogs in, in Courtney Williams and Tiffany Hayes. And that's going to either going to go great or it's not going to go great. Um, so, you know, it, it'll be interesting how that all shakes out. 
Yeah. All right. Move on to the next topic. I'm not going to intro this because uh, you can assume <laughs> oh, I'm depressed about it. Oh. Go well, along, Gabe. All right. Uh, well, so some player named Simone Augustus um, signed with some team called the LA Sparks. Uh, one year, $110,000. Uh, I forget if it's protected or not. Um, actually, I don't think it's protected, but yeah. So Simone Augustus, the possibly the best player in Lynx history. Um, By far, that is not a question. <laughs> oh, God. This is going to go off the rails in like we're, four we're seconds, Scott. Get right very there. lightly with this topic, Gabe. You and I are going to have to carry this. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, all right, let, let's talk about this from like just a rational perspective really quick. Um, so Simone, obviously legendary player. There's a lot there to unpack that Aria will unpack for us. Um, but, you know, for uh, the Sparks, you know, they like I think I said this at the beginning of free agency like the sparks have never seen a big name free agent that they don't love and want uh and i think that's exactly what they saw they saw oh we can go get simone augustus let's bring her in uh and then she kind of does uh you know patch up a little bit of a hole in the uh in on their bench as far as a wing player that can score and and bring stuff i don't think at this point in her career that she is a she's still going to be a starter on this team this team just has too much talent for that um but she's definitely someone who if she's healthy and you know we know she'll be ready to go because she's a championship player, um, that she can contribute to this team and bring a lot. And I think you know she also brings someone that's going to calm down the locker room. She's going to be a leader in that locker room. If she tells people to knock off, you know, whatever, or tell the coaches like we need to be doing this, she's you know one of the greatest players in league history. How do you not listen to her? So I, I think she's going to help again bridge that gap like we talked about with Christy Tolliver last time we were together. She's going to bridge that gap between the coaches and the players. She's going to bring stuff to the court. Uh, as far as Minnesota's perspective, let's be real, they weren't competing for a championship this championship this year. So how much how much do you really need Simone Augustus on your team? How much do you want her to go out on a season that um, may not reach those championship expectations? I think there was kind of at the beginning of the of the offseason, they probably wanted to come back together. But as soon as it shook out, I think it was better for both parties to move on. And, and I think they both did right by each other. And, you know, there was a lot of love afterwards. Um, so if, to me, this move makes a lot of sense. Rachel, do you want to do you want to go before we, we get to Aria? <laughs> yeah, I you know, it's I was very, very surprised by this. Um, it, it is a little bit confusing to me. I'm not going to lie. I was like, why? Like, why? Why? You know, I I would have loved to see Simone Augustus finish her career in, in Minnesota. So there is that element of, like, the nostalgic aspect of this to then, like, see her finish with the L.A. Sparks between the rivalry. And there, there's a whole lot there to unpack. Um, but when you when you break it down from a business perspective, um, and, and um, I, I think the, the key word that you said there, which makes Simone Augustus really um, valuable and enticing to obvi- the LA Sparks, obviously she's at the point where she's at in her career, um, but the leadership, um, the, the leadership perspective, we're talking about locker room chemistry, we're talking about um, a lot of things that when we finished the 2019 season was were uh, a question mark with this, this franchise and this roster um, and with Derek Fisher, you know, it was kind of like, wow, what's, what's happening here. Um, I think LA has had one of the most aggressive off seasons um, there. It's hard to look at them and not consider them a, a top contender. Um, and I was one that was just a week ago was like, <laughs> I questioned this and I still question it because of, 
the chemistry because of the leadership. But now you've brought in a player like Christy Tolliver, um, a veteran player in Simone Augustus, who, like you, you mentioned, from the leadership and locker room standpoint, are, are, are you, you can't measure that. You know, that's invaluable. Um, but, you know, I, I can understand Minnesota moving on from this situation. I can understand Minnesota. We, we are truly seeing the end of an era. You know, and and that's hard for a lot of folks to swallow. And um, but but it has to happen at some point, And you start making aggressive moves. Um, maybe not even necessarily for this year, but we're going to see the reasoning for this in the next couple of years as as this has a domino effect moving forward. So there, there's a, a strategy here with Cheryl Reeve and her decision to do this. I'm sure it was not an easy decision, but um, after kind of unpacking it for a few days, I, I do agree. I think. Um, it's best for both parties. It's just, you know, like I said, the nostalgic aspect of this was like, man, what, what, what is going on? This is crazy to me. Um, but I think if we had to sum up this free agency in one, one word, that'd be crazy in general. So, um, I like it overall. I think it's, um, a very, um, professional move by Augustus. She handled it with a ton of grace. And honestly, I think she's going to bring a ton to the court, um, on and on and off the court for the LA Sparks. All right. (laughs) <laughs> let me let me try and keep my emotions within myself and not say anything uh, too bad. Let, let's break down who Simone Augustus is. She made the Lynx dynasty through the ups and downs. She went to a team that was laughing stock of the league uh, and brought them to a dynasty. She is the only player in Minnesota sports history to bring championships to Minnesota. That sounds ridiculous, but look it up. It's a fact. Uh, the Lynx fans are rightfully upset and sad and pissed right now because they were robbed of a true goodbye to her. And when I say that, I think of the likes of Kobe Bryant's last season, of Dwayne Wade's last season, of a variety of other, and you know me, I hate to compare W to NBA, but they were truly robbed of the ability to have that last season. All last year, we were told she'll have one more season in her, that she's playing one more season. And I think all the fans had mentally prepared themselves for that goodbye season. That being said, they don't get that. Now, you have to look at it from multiple perspectives. For Simone, she gets a chance at her last ring. Um, You know, it's her last season. She's joining a team that, if you look at just down the league, there's only one team that I really think she fits into that probably gives her a good chance of not just being a number on the roster and actually having a few minutes. Yeah, she's still got gas left in the tank. She's not a starter, and she has to play limited minutes, but she's still a killer. She is still the GOAT. Um, and she still has that ability, like both of you have talked about, to be a coach on the court and off the court to truly help this team, you know, in ways that we might not see through other signings that they've had, other than Christy Tolliver, who I think will do a great job of that also. But let's also be real from the Minnesota Lynx perspective. She didn't move the needle for the Lynx this coming season. When I say that, I mean, you look at the team last season that honestly surprised a lot of people with how well they did considering losing Rebecca Brunson, losing Maya Moore, uh, and Simone Augustus for the majority of the season. I mean, she was essentially just a high, well, I don't know how much the coaches make, but she was essentially a coach on the court who got to play a little bit. Um, This roster, and a lot of people are going to say, oh, now we're in a rebuild. Now we're in a rebuild because we didn't get Simone and we didn't get these top or, you know, top talent free agents. But I kind of question that narrative only because they still have Nafisa. They still have Jessica Shepard. Yes, they haven't fully... uh, answered the odyssey sims issue they haven't fully answered what they're going to do about the guard play but i think it's kind of a symbol that they do have a good amount of faith in lexi brown and likely they're going to use 
some sort of draft pick or offseason move to fill in that question mark itself. But big perspective, business perspective, if I'm the Minnesota Lynx, and, and this is where my emotions are going to come out, they better have offered her the max full salary. And the reason I say that is if you've read up and if you've learned about the Lynx throughout their history of this dynasty, these players were insanely unselfish. These players all took pay cuts so that they could sign vets at the vet max, the former vet max, and bring them in to be pieces to win a championship. And that's why they were able to be a dynasty. You're talking about the first pick in the draft who went to Minnesota and multiple times decided not to, you know, say, oh, I'm holding out or, oh, I need a max contract. I need to make this big stack money. And for that, I think, forget business, forget, oh, this is business and, and you know, whatever, it's a business. I keep saying business, whatever. I, I'm getting emotional. But <laughs> the point is, is they better have offered her that full max and said to her, look, we understand that we can't offer you a chase at a final ring. And, you know, then you can start talking smack to Rebecca Brunson that you got the same amount of rings as her. We're, we might not be able to offer that to you realistically unless, you know, everyone plays out of their mind. But what we can do is, as a thank you for everything you've done to this team is offer you a max contract. I don't know if they did it. I'm not going to talk about whether, you know, assume that the team didn't do it or assume that she wanted to leave the team for that ring. All I know is out of courtesy for what she has done for that state and for that team and for that ownership, because the ownership has never seen wins like that on the men's side. Uh, I think she deserved it. And I'm going to stop talking before I say something I regret. Um, well, just well, just the, well said. We know well this said, has been right. a very difficult week for you. Yeah, and just like because you brought up Dwayne Wade, and I spent a large portion of my weekend like weeping openly, happy tears about his retirement ceremony. Um, Lynx fans, like, don't fully shut the door on seeing Simone Augustus in a Lynx jersey. I mean, I remember when D Wade left to Chicago. Very similar circumstances. We felt that he was not valued enough by the team and he left for for a better offer somewhere else at his hometown and you know we thought he wasn't coming back and he came back and he plays the last season here and we got to say goodbye and we got to you know have the jersey retirement and have those moments that we all really cared about so you know you're real i know you're really mad rea is your is your avatar for that um and i know exactly how that feels but don't don't shut the door in your mind yet to seeing her back in a Lynx jersey. At the very least, you'll definitely get those moments that you want that you those jer- that jersey retirement, that time to thank her when she comes back to Minnesota. Like that stuff's important. Like cherish that. It's it, it may happen that she comes back. So don't don't like completely shut yourself off yet to uh, to Simone coming back. Well, Rachel. No, I just, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I, this is, there's still a lot of time here, you know, we're, we're at the end of February and there's, this has been an absolute wild roller coaster these last three weeks, um, extremely difficult to keep up with, extremely difficult to break news. And, and we, we have never, ever seen the things that are happening right now. And so, as I said before, like, this is crazy. And then some of these moves are crazy. So like, who's to say, you know, that there's not something else in the works here. And there's obviously still several key moves that could take place. And um, I agree with you, Gabe. I think that was a great analysis that you just wrapped up with. Before we uh, log off for this episode, I'm just going to quote one of the greatest movies of all time. The Blues Brothers, the Lord (laughs) works in mysterious ways. Uh, As we always say, we believe in the players in the W and its community deserve the same in-depth analysis and respect that men's sports receive on a daily basis. 
please consider joining our Patreon community to help support us and the hard work that we do.